The reviews are in, and we're going to tell you what they are. He's Todd Vandenberg. I'm Rob Steele, and we've got a whopping news story singular this week. And it's not even that much of a news story. Uh, but it did amuse me because it's something we've brought up a few times is the ill-fated New Mutants movie. Yes. Uh, which was supposed to come out, what is it, two years ago now? Because they finished uh, filming it. Honestly, believe it was, yes. Uh, back in, what, the 1600s? Yes. <laughs> wow. It showed up on Amazon this week for about an hour as a pre-order for twenty five ninety nine, And then it disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if anyone has actually bought the pre-order, please let us know because no one recorded any details about it. They just kind of went, really? It's there? Let me get my pen and write down the, ooh, it disappeared. You know, <laughs> it was one of those weird things. And that's the end of the news. <laughs> why, why would it be twenty five ninety nine? Uh, because it's allegedly... Um, How random is that? One of those things of... We, we wanted to release it theatrically, but we couldn't. So we're going to do it theatrically, but online. Yeah, but most of those have been nineteen ninety nine. Uh, ah, I know it, it because it was filmed back in the sixteen hundreds. It's got a better vintage to it. That's what it is. I mean, virtually every single one of these movies that's been released for rental as a debut has been nineteen ninety nine. So twenty five ninety nine for that movie. <laughs> okay <laughs> i heard it was actually good and yet <sighs> but you see i can actually tie the new mutants in to the first review so you watch this i've got a segue two wheels lots of gyroscopes um, <laughs> new mutants being a spin-off of the x-men and todd i can see you remembering this do you remember the uncanny x-men issue number 142 not off the top of my head, but if you sing a but few I'm bars, I'm sure I'll know it. it. You'll go, oh, that one. I think everybody who has ever done comic books has seen this cover. Um, it's got a picture of one of the Sentinels, the big mutant hunting robots. Yes. Absolutely frying Wolverine. Ah, uh, With a yes. caption on it that says, in this <laughs> issue, everybody dies. Dies. See, that uh, it's, a, it's an iconic cover. It is. And... You know what? There hasn't been really a DC equivalent of it until now. Ta-da! <clears throat> the first movie we've got this week is Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, which uh, came straight to video because they don't release their animated movies theatrically, and frankly, I think a lot of them could have. Yes. Because these have been really good, <clears throat> including this one. Uh, the basic plot for this Darkseid is coming, and they know he's coming, so you know what? Let's do a preemptive strike and get him first. Except it fails miserably. Now, this is not a spoiler. This is the first maybe 10 minutes of the movie, and it's before the frickin' credits. So <laughs> it's, it's not setup. a spoiler. Um, yes, things look remarkably bleak for our heroes, and after the credits, we pick up with a. the first thing we see is two years later. And yes, we do get a lot of it in flashbacks. Don't panic. But the Earth has pretty much literally gone to hell. Um, there's a rebellion against Darkseid and his forces, which now include parademons that have been crossbred with Doomsday. That's not good. Yeah, D Doomsday being the guy who beat the crap out of Superman to the point of killing him. 
yeah, that's uh, that's not a good thing. I am not going to tell you who the guy with the green eyes in the trailer is, but you figure that out maybe 15 minutes into the movie. Uh, now, who's involved in this particular film? Because we've had several different ones uh, of the DC animated uh, universe in this. In this film, you have the entirety of the Justice League, including Hawkman, who finally gets a line. Yay for him. Wow. Uh, the entirety of the Bat family, uh, including Nightwing, Batwoman, Batgirl, Batwing, for Christ's sake, is in this. Uh, although Alfred isn't, but he's mentioned a few times, so I think it counts. Uh, the Teen Titans, which now include Kid Flash, uh, Lois and Clark's kid, Jonathan Kent, yeah, that Superboy, as well as the other cloned Superboy, he's in it, the Suicide Squad, Sh Steel, Shazam, uh, Justice League Dark, because this is a Justice League Dark movie. Yeah, hopefully they're uh, in it. Lex Luthor, Bane, a majority of the Green Lantern Corps that you know, and probably a few that you don't. And I'm not even, I'm not sure I've got half of the people in it. <laughs> Name somebody in the, in the DC universe they're in this film somewhere, or at least they're mentioned. Yes, we don't see Amanda Waller because she's dead. Aw. That's not much of a spoiler. Uh, but here's the closest thing I'm going to give you to a spoiler. This, unfortunately, in my mind, is the last in this particular DC animated series. Where, if there's more of them coming... It's going to be different than the Justice League and everything we have now. The spoiler is it's seriously tied in with the Flashpoint movie. Woo! That's awesome. This, it really is. Uh, so if you've liked any particular incarnation of this Justice League or any of these animated films, you need to see this. But maybe not with your kids. Ah. Uh, it's rated R. And it's rated R for a reason. Uh, it's really violent. There's a lot of blood. Not necessarily Quentin Tarantino amounts, but, you know, still. Uh, there is language in appropriate places. And some of it, it, you hear characters that you've always wondered, what would it sound like if they said something like that? You're going to find out in this movie and you'll go, you know what, it, it, it kind of works. And it's kind of jarring, which it's supposed to be. So there we go. Um, so overall, this was a really, really good movie. Uh, was it fun eh, in places, <laughs> but it was a great story. It was a great wrap up for this series. And it even had a fight scene between two characters. I've always wondered about in that sort of, you know, if you put these two characters together in a fight, who would win kind of way, How you awesome. know, that kind of thing. I'm not going to tell you who, but one of them's in the trailer. Awesome, awesome. Hint, hint. Uh, it is now available from Amazon, iTunes, the DC streaming <laughs> store. Pick an online place. It's there. And if you're a DC fan at all, you're going to want to watch this because this was really good. I am so happy to hear that. As you know, you mentioning that the according to what happens in this film, that that changes their universe. I mean, they've they've really hyped that. So yeah. that's hardly a spoiler. I mean, that's one of their promoting events. The one thing I hope, because you mentioned the profanity, I really want to hear the flash drop like a string of F-bombs as fast as he can. That would be fantastic. Because I can totally <laughs> picture him doing that too. 
Um, that sounds Actors awesome. In this movie, you can. There's a few places where you're going to go. He's going to. I know he's going. He has. <laughs> he just seems like he would be the one who would always do that, doesn't he? I'm doing it in my head for him. You know that kind of thing. As in Wally, not not Barry, but yeah, Wally would Actually, totally do that. Um, the kid Flash that we get that's with the Titans mm-hmm. he is Wally. That's Wally. Okay, I had a feeling because that was the original Kid Flash. So, although it's not the Wally you think it is, that makes sense. Spoiler. Hmm. Totally makes sense. It, it's, I, this is basically it's the new Fifty Two animated universe, and if you don't know what that means, yeah. look it up. I'm not going to even try to go into that here. It gets complicated. Right. Um, but it, it's not the redheaded Wally. It's the other one. Right. That sounds. Awesome. I'm so happy to hear that because I've been looking forward to that ever since they announced it. I mean, there's there's some horror aspects to it, which I think leads into your, your review or first one. Anyway, it does. Indeed. Uh, I'm talking about a movie that just came out last year when people could still go to the movie theaters and accept no substitutes. Although you probably would want to, this is called crawl. And again, if you're surfing through and looking for a movie called Carl, take the one that came out in 2019, which is about alligators attacking people. Uh, the premise is actually pretty decent. It's a young girl, young girl, eh, she's in her 20s, she's in college. And she goes back home to try to find her dad because there's a hurricane coming and no one has heard from dad. So she goes back to their home. And finds him, and for some reason, he's stuck down in the basement slash crawl space. It's kind of a combo of, of those things, which just makes perfect sense. It does make sense. The setup is really well done. The acting throughout is good. However, there are some issues with the plot, as in it's stupid as it continues. <laughs> uh, early on, I thought, well, this is a lot better than Underwater because the actress can act. And Uh-oh. she has more than one emotion, which is which is nice. Uh, the premise does make sense because hurricanes happen in Florida. Hello. And despite the fact that it's in Florida, there are some houses that do have, like, depending on where they're built, do, they do have these limited uh, crawl space slash basements. It's bigger than a crawl space, but it's not a full basement. So it's just kind of a half height type basement, put it that way. Uh, the problem is that apparently either every alligator in the state of Florida centers on this town and basically one neighborhood of this town, because that's all we ever see basically once the, the, the permit starts rolling or Florida has, I don't know, like 200 billion alligators because that they're, it's the water's just infested with them once it, it starts flooding. So they're trapped in the house and they're trying to get out of the house. Uh, that's the premise. There are a lot of problems with this because you know how in bad horror movies, people make the most almost purposefully stupid decisions you could possibly make. Yeah. That happens in this movie a lot. (laughs) So people, you know, people leave something behind that they shouldn't have left behind and they have to go on this dangerous thing to get past the alligators to get it. And then instead of going back to the safe place they have, they just sit there out in the open where the alligators can come get them. It's like, yeah, that made perfect sense. I'll just sit here because the alligators won't see me. The, the worst part of this movie is, and talk about foreshadowing because she happens to be on a swim team in college. Hint, hint. Uh, 
she has to outswim her allig- the alligators because dad has been hyping her like because her he calls her the apex predator hint hint uh-huh so she eats the alligators in the end yeah she does she eats oh. every one of them she just unhinges her jaw she turns out she's an anaconda who knew so which would have been much better oh my god that's the movie they should have made snake girl so several times she has to outswim the alligators okay here's an issue with it most people probably understand alligators can swim faster than people most people probably don't realize how much faster they can swim a lot the speed record for a 50 meter is 5.52 miles per hour set by a certain guy who has like 9,000 gold medals hanging off his chest. Mr. And smokes pot. Yeah. I think that's what he uses for fuel. Alligators can swim up to 20 miles per hour, four times faster basically than a person. This is not Michael Phelps swimming either. Let's remind Let's remember that. It's Michelle Phelps. This is a chick who is in college and just <laughs> lost her regional meet to go on to the next level. She lost by two hundredths of a two hundredths of a second, but hey, she lost. Yeah, she's not the fastest swimmer on the planet. If she was, she would be four times <laughs> as slow as the alligators, which are everywhere. They have established that she manages to outswim all of them, except when she doesn't. When she's attacked by the alligators and gets bitten twice, badly bitten twice, and in one of the scenes, the alligator goes into the death roll, at which point they're ripping off limbs. Hey, it doesn't happen to her. So she survives two alligator attacks. Basically, she limps a little, but she doesn't bleed out. Dad Uh survives two alligator attacks, and he's injured far worse than she is. (sighs) He's tastier. It's upsetting because, for two reasons, because... Because it started off really well, and then they basically became intensely stupid with the script. It's well-directed. It's just the script is terrible. And the fact that it actually has good reviews. This has an 83 on Rotten Tomatoes, meaning 83% of the 186 critics who reviewed this said this was watchable. None of them necessarily said it was great, but they said it's watchable. Oh my God, this movie is so bad. So, so bad. Happily, though, it's not as bad as the next movie Uh I have to talk about. This movie didn't get quite as high a rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Only 63%. Still, more than half of the critics who review this said, yeah, this is is worth watching. Mm -hmm. And again, that's all a Rotten Tomato means. Doesn't mean it's great. Just means... Whatever the rating is means that percentage of critics said it's worth watching. None of them might have thought it was terrific. All of them might have thought it was terrific. You don't know until you actually look at the reviews. I have no understanding how anyone could have watched this movie and thought this was watchable. Crawl, I can kind of get it. You know, if you just turn off your brain and think, okay, well, that's stupid, but it's still entertaining. Because if you turn off your brain, it's entertaining. The Banana Splits movie, wow. Yeah. It has a cool premise. I think it's a cool premise because of the the Five Nights at Freddy's game, you know, that whole thing. It was like, oh, little animatronic characters like at a Chuck E. Cheese, and they go nuts and they kill people. Ah, that sounds really weird and fun if it's handled correctly. If it's handled correctly. 
So they decided, oh, you know what? Would it be really cool? Let's make a hybrid. Let's mash this up with the Banana Splits, which was a show, kids show in the 60s. They weren't animatronic. They were supposed to be people, although they were just people in really cheap animal suits. But it was very frenetic, very fast-paced. Kind of, it was it was fun. Like the mascots at sports games. Exactly like the mascots at sports games. Very fast-paced, very, very super energized because, you know, ah, kids have zero attention span, and this fed into that, which was great. Not a bad show. Hanna-Barbera produced this show. F- for whatever ungodly reason, uh, they gave the rights to use those characters to this production company. I have a feeling they didn't ask to see a script. They probably just thought, it's like, hey, you know what? We can make like 87 bucks and a couple cheese pizzas. Let's do the deal. Because who cares about the banana splits at this point? And at this point, nobody. Uh, A major part of the problem is instead of having the characters, the four lead characters of the banana splits, be people in costumes or maybe actually be this weird, these weird anamorphic dog and lion and orangutan and elephant. They're animatronics like Five Nights at Freddy's, which absolutely kneecaps the, the banana splits energy because they're walking around slowly. They're robotic. Uh, for some reason, they didn't think that, oh, robots could have actually been fast because we've never seen that in movies before except like a thousand freaking times. <sighs> So they sucked all the life out of what could have been there. It would have made more sense if it had been actors who were trapped in these roles and got fed up. The reason they go on the attack, and this is actually in almost any preview you see, is because this, the, movie, the show is canceled. They've been doing this show ostensibly since the 60s in this universe. And they get canceled, and they are intelligent enough to realize, well, that sucks. We're out of a job. Although, what difference does that make? They're animatronics you know it's not like they're getting paid so whatever (laughs) so so this guy is fixing one and one of them goes nuts and so something goes wrong with his programming so he starts killing people for god knows why they all start killing people he only worked on one but they all start killing people because you know fun so all these people are trapped at the kids shows and they murder a bunch of people not everybody because they they keep the kids because they want to do the show for the kids whatever Again, this could have worked if they had not made them slow robots and thereby taking all the pace out of the show, which that was the reason people, kids watched it back then. They, it could have worked if, again, people didn't make the most horrifically stupid decisions that people make in bad horror movies. It could have worked if they hadn't just had really bad special effects and gore just for gore's sake, but not well done. There's zero suspense in this. The gore is not well done. A f- couple of the actors are okay, but that's the best you can, that can be said for them. Characters change dynamically in for no reason, not because of any character arc, just because, oh, all of a sudden this is going to happen. They have a couple main lead kid actors who are not actors. Uh, They're just really bad. They're kids, but they're not very believable in their roles, as in 
at all. Uh, this stars Denny Kind, Steve Lund, Selena Martin, Finlay Wotak Hisong, Sarah Canning, a bunch of people you never heard of. This is a South African production. Uh, oh. I, I really wish that we had had a ban on exports from South Africa because, wow, this movie is so damned bad. And again, if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, more than half the critics thought this, is their, thought this was worth watching. It's like, what? the hell did you see that I didn't see? Because the horror aspects are something you've seen, oh, I don't know. If you've seen 100 horror movies, you've seen it 100 times before. You totally see everything coming. There are major problems with continuity. They take a character's phone away, then later he has to go outside to make a phone call. Okay. And it's well, not like a secret. Other one in the... Yeah. Uh... Yeah. Captain Jack Harkness, Heidi Hole. Except he could have, except he didn't. You know, that would have been really easy to, to just, oh, he's got a burner phone to call his mistress because that's why he's going out to make the call. Spoiler, uh-huh. you know, basically, I'll, I'll just go ahead and spoil it for you because I don't want you to watch the movie. Okay. The, the creepy, lousy, cheating stepdad, he finally gets killed at the end. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, the banana splits. One of them survives at the end because a character who is whose fiance is murdered kind of gets psychotically turned and she decides she's going to take care of them, even though they've all been d- destroyed. Uh, that's really about it. So yeah, I, I would rather, <laughs> I would rather you watch cats than this because cats is far worse. Make no mistake. It's far worse than, than a banana splits movie, but there's no point to the banana splits movie. They took a premise that could have been really cool and did nothing with it. They left out the the easiest thing to do right, and they changed it for no damn reason whatsoever. So, yeah, don't watch that. Don't watch Crawl. Later on, I will have a couple things that I do recommend you watch, though. So, yay, some sanity. See, well, that kind of leads into what I've got, which, and I just looked this up, because I've got two other movies to talk about that go together. And the first one has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 23. Which is a shame because um, these two movies are sequels to a movie that I thought was really good. And that would be Highlander. Uh-huh. If you have seen the first one, leave the other two, leave the rest of it alone. Um, or at least skip Highlander 2. Let me explain why. In the first Highlander movie, we follow Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod, who is born in Scotland in 15-something or other, and he's immortal, and he's taught how to survive against other immortals from uh, Ramirez, who has a very long name that I don't remember all of. He's played by Sean Connery. You gotta love him anyway. And he's actually, uh, his Ramirez, you go, oh, he's Spanish. No, he's Egyptian. Huh? Okay, whatever. <laughs> and you just go with it. And that movie worked. It built up a myth or mythos around it and it, it just worked. Totally and worked. Highlander 2, it turns out, no, they're not from Scotland or Egypt. They're from the planet Zeist. Qu- question mark? <laughs> isn't, that a, isn't that a soap? Um, where there are a lot of immortals pardon and they're ruled by a guy named katana played by michael ironside who is unfortunately 
a pretty cool villain trapped in this crap fest of a movie. Now, after the first movie where McLeod wins, this is a spoiler for a movie from 86. You'll get over it. <laughs> McLeod wins, becomes mortal, but he wins the prize, which makes him omnipotent. And we'll get to that in a minute. And everything is fine. But Katana decides to prevent McLeod's return to Zeist, where he's the really, re I'll start that again, where he's the leader of the resistance. So Katana sends a crossbreed of Sonic the Hedgehog and Lenny and Squiggy. See if you wrap your head around that one <laughs> to kill McLeod, who is now old. Well, guess what? It doesn't work. McLeod kills them instead, somehow rebooting McLeod to make him young because he had gotten old. And it brings Ramirez back from the dead. Question mark. Now, McLeod also meets the leader of the human resistance, played by Virginia Madsen. Uh, character's name is Louise. And they meet just before the fight with the Hedgehog Brothers. And just after the Hedgehog Brothers, McLeod and Louise, who have met literally for seconds, decide to have sex in an alleyway, question mark, against a wall, okay, fine, while still clothed. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Because... This is the first of the massive, well, not the first of the massive plot points, one of the massive plot points that made me go, what the hell is this? <laughs> She's wearing pants. Her legs never go above her waist, but they're having sex somehow. How do you logistically, it, it, that doesn't work. Aliens, bro. <clears throat> I'm, I'm sorry. Anyway, the resistance she's leading is against the shield, which McLeod helped build. Uh, to rebuild the ozone layer, which killed off his wife, Brenda, from the first Highlander movie. Uh, he, they built a shield so the ozone layer can rebuild itself. Great. Well, she wants him to shut it off. And he says he wants proof that the ozone is back first. I, on the other hand, want an explanation as to why turning off the shield technology, um, or turning off the shield made technology regress about 50 years. Because this movie takes place in 2024, and I know we're not quite there yet, but for some reason, everyone now drives Studebakers, Wait. and they do international flights in propeller-driven airplanes. <laughs> we know this because Ramirez, when he comes back from the dead, comes back in Scotland and has to go to New York, which takes about half the freaking movie. <laughs> what? Uh, what? Uh, huh? Anyway, there's a remix version of this movie. It's called a director's cut slash the renegade mix. It's not that big a deal. Um, basically, they added a scene where McLeod and Louise managed to go to the top of a mountain, which is somehow above the shield. And they make it to the top to not only find out that the ozone is back. Yay. But the shield is apparently invisible from the outside. Because they look down and there's no shield. There's just landscape question mark also they can somehow breathe at, a, at an altitude that is above international flight levels um did, did, did i mention that physics stopped working as well uh, because of the shield because they did when katana came back to earth to kill mcleod himself because the hedgehog brothers screwed it up he lands in a subway in new york 
All right, fine. He then takes it over and floors it, taking the subway train up to 700 miles an hour. I read the speedometer. Yet, yet, somehow, not only does it remain on the track, but it stays in New York. (laughs) How? Oh, and all of the passengers die because of centrifugal force, but... Katana doesn't feel any of that for no particular reason. Everyone gets thrown around the train. Meanwhile, he's standing at the control panel going, this is fun. <laughs> what? <laughs> this movie is a crap fest from beginning to end. At, at best, at best, it looks like a mid 80s television movie. Uh, props materialize in places they shouldn't. Somehow Louise isn't killed in the massive shoot 'em up where the car that they're in gets totaled by a bajillion bullets, but she's safe in the trunk. Wow. So look, if for some reason you need to see Christopher Lambert in a movie that is filled with plot holes and crap special effects, may I recommend Mortal Kombat? Cause it, it, it's, it's a lot better. Although it doesn't end here because there's a Highlander three. Now I'm going to tell you this and you're going to go, it doesn't make any sense. And you're right. It doesn't Highlander three is almost infinitely better than Highlander two because, and I I think this is actually kind of brilliant of them. They completely ignored Highlander two and said, let's go back to the Highlander one universe. Yay. Now, the problem with that being at the end of Highlander 1, there's no more immortals left to kill. Well, check this out. Here's a loophole. Mario Van Pimples, who's the bad guy in this movie, and I just realized I pronounced his name wrong, but you know what? I don't care. Mario Van Pimples and his two immortal buddies were trapped in a side dimension when they killed Mako. You remember Mako, the actor? He's... I totally remember Mako, the actor. Excellent actor. He was very cool. He put in a little bit on this. Anyway, they were sent off to this sub-dimension, and they just returned to Earth. So now there's three immortals left to kill. Resume movie one, and off we go. I That makes a lot more sense than they're from another planet. They're not. Now, Mario Van Pimples, I'm not going to pronounce it right ever, is an even better developed villain than the Kurgan, who was the bad guy in the first one. Now, he's not a better villain. He's not a better actor. He's just a better developed character, which really does help and kind of makes up for the lack of being a better villain or actor. And we spend a lot of time figuring out what makes him a pretty good bad guy. So the way to think about Highlander 3 is think of it as a double-length TV episode, which is not a bad thing because the, there was a TV series for Highlander, which, okay, it stumbled out of the blocks. I'll admit that. Because, I mean, in episode one, they made Bull from Night Court the bad guy. And you kind of go, really? <laughs> are you, are you sure? Sh- I mean, yes, Bull is a huge guy. But at the same time, are you sure you wanted him as your because this is fresh off Night Court. This is, I think, the only other thing I've ever seen him in. And you kind of go, I don't know that that's the good bad guy because Bull was hilarious. And this guy is hilarious, but for all the wrong reasons. 
Anyway, enough of the series. Just think of Highlander 3 as a double-length TV episode from the series, and you'll be fine. It's it's not horrible. I'm not going to say it's good, <laughs> but it's not horrible and infinitely better than Highlander 2, which, as far as I'm concerned, is the worst l- sequel ever. Not <laughs> worst movie, just worst sequel. That's pretty horrifying. It, it Have you seen the movie? Have you seen Highlander 2 with Lenny and Squiggy on their flying surfboards? I have uh, not subjected myself to that. Thank God. It, it, it is. Do you, you I know you remember Lenny and Squiggy. I totally remember Lenny and Squiggy. If you don't look them up and just picture them with funky anime hair and goggles. I can sadly easily picture them that way. There you go. I think That's I saw too much Lenny like. and Squiggy. Ugh, my God. I am going to mention, I'm not going to go into, into depth on either one of these, but I'm going to mention a, a couple of palate cleansers for you, should you have been unfortunate enough to watch any of the movies we've been talking about, other than Except Highlander. Uh, yeah. yeah. And Well, yeah, and, and of course, the Justice League. <clears throat> Justice League movie. So, since you're still stuck inside, and in, As well, you in a lot of cases... In a lot of places, you may not be stuck inside, but you should still kind of stay inside and please practice social distancing when you do go out. I've got a mask. A couple things, right? Several. So, a couple series that you can watch. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine's been out for a long time. Premiered in 2013, still going strong. When this first came out, I was like, yeah, I don't really know because it was another ensemble comedy starring an, a Saturday Night Live alumnus, and a lot of those have been, ugh. Um, This is terrific because it's not just a vehicle for Andy Samberg, who is the lead. It is absolutely an ensemble piece, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a precinct in Brooklyn Cops. So it's about this detective squad. This is some of the best comedy ever. Every single episode has at least three or four, if not ten, or 15 lines, and they're 23 minutes long, that just make me laugh out loud, like really laugh out loud. I actually use this as a stress reliever during my normal gig <clears throat> because during lunch, because some of the sessions we have are, can be kind of stressful. So I fire at Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I watch an episode, and if I have time, I watch two, and it's like, ah, I feel so much better. Super, super funny show. Every single person in the show is excellent. I want to mention especially Terry Crews because a lot of people like the Terry who his character's name is Terry in, in this. And he refers to himself in the third person a lot, which is awesome. <laughs> and Andre Brower, who he, his character is so deadpan. That's a running gag is no one can read him because he'll say things like, I am completely enthused. And that's just a running thing. Thank you, Mr. Spock. The entire show. Yeah, I couldn't do Andre Brower because my voice isn't deep enough. But it's just, all of it is fantastic. And it is, again, it is not an Andy Samberg vehicle at all. Yeah, he's the lead of the leads, but absolutely an ensemble piece. Super funny show. Highly recommended. They actually have, season eight is going to be coming up. So you can stream this on a lot of different uh, platforms. So actually probably on one platform, but I'm too lazy to look it up. Look it up yourself. I bought the thing on Vudu because it's so good. 
a new series that my lovely cousin Susie turned me on to just the other day called Dead to Me. This is a comedy drama. <clears throat> and, oh my gosh, uh, the premise of this show is a, a widow is, is having a really tough time coping with the fact that she lost her husband. She goes to a support group. She meets a new sparkling, funny friend who's also there because she just lost someone just eight weeks prior. So it's the friendship that develops between the two of them. Has lots of twists. Has a big twist that comes at the end of the first episode. I saw the first twist come, which happens in the middle of the episode. I did not see the twist that comes at the end of the first episode. It stars Christina Applegate, who is hilarious. Stars Linda Cardellini, who is hilarious. Um, executive producers. So don't hold the first name against it unless you like this person's <coughs> work. Actually, I'll go with the, the other person. Adam McKay, who has done some amazingly good movies. And Will Ferrell. So it's from those minds. And it doesn't, it's not full of a lot of the Will Ferrell silliness. And there's no Will Ferrell to be seen, although I imagine at some point he may pop up in an episode or something. I'm only two episodes in. I, three episodes because I watched the first, the third one just before this. Extremely funny show. There is some drama to it, though. I would say it's a comedy, comedy, comedy drama as opposed to a comedy drama. But awesome show. Christina Lampagate is excellent in this. Cardellini is excellent. Everyone is terrific in this. It even has James Marsden. And I don't really care for James Marsden because it seems like every character he plays is so boring. He's actually enjoyable in this. Ooh. But, but he was in Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, wait, sorry. You're right. He was boring. Yeah. He actually isn't boring in this. He's somewhat interesting, which for him is like a colossal achievement. Also, they have a secret weapon. They have Ed Asner in this show. Yes. Ed really? Asner, who actually is now the old guy from Up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He looks so old um, because he is. But he's Ed Asner, and he is... He isn't quite as high energy as he used to because, you know, it's not like 1977 or whenever the Mary Tyler Moore show was on. But he's still absolutely excellent. And they have him doing the things you expect an Ed Asner character to do. And he's not in it a lot, but he doesn't have to be because it's not about his character. He's just a side character. But it's just that's such a just a brilliant piece to throw Ed Asner in there, too. So... Dead to me. Highly, highly, highly recommended. And then they're just half-hour shows. And Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Two absolutely terrific tonics in case you're unfortunate enough to watch Highlander 2 or Crawl or the Banana Splits movie. And see, we can even tie that back into the first one because Ed Asner in the Justice League Unlimited series was the voice of Granny Goodness. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yes, he, he was. Switched genders. Uh, who is one of the minions of Darkseid, who was in the first Justice League movie that we talked about in this show. So we have come full circle yet again, uh, meaning it's probably time to end the show without talking about the up thing that I'll talk to, to Todd about post-pro. Take that, Ted. We'll, we'll be back next week with uh, more stuff, because that's what we do. In the meantime, stay home and watch a movie. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engines. 
I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, and on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I am very disappointed. Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but uh, eh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone. Hey, who turned out the lights?